Was it because somebody took away his favourite teddy bear? It's because Andreas Villas-Boas said he's not his friend anymore. Oh, he hasn't even got his mobile number, apparently. I know. I I thought they'd be sexting each other. I think it would just be like mutual admiration of each other's excellent haircuts. Isn't it something like 60% of sexting is like, you know, some guy's random knob? I don't know. I'm quite sure that's what, you know, Villas-Boas and Jose are doing. This is your obsession with statistics coming out again, isn't it? This is like your past completion stuff. <laughs> well, not the kind of pass we were thinking about. <laughs> no. Anyway, anyway, um, we digress. We we certainly do. But frankly, there is such a horrible bit of football to talk about in the middle of the show that it's quite nice to have some digressions. Should we? Uh, should we? We've been away for a week and a half because of schedules and stuff, which meant that we put the last podcast out before the Leverkusen game, and that was Moise's finest hour as United manager up to that point. An excellent attacking, swashbuckling performance in places from United. Funny that, you play a few creative players and, and United start scoring goals. Just, you know, randomness there, I guess. Yeah, Shinji starting the game, uh, shocking everyone, and uh, decent performance. I mean, I I felt a, a somewhat underrated performance, given how little football he's played, but but obviously not, not his favoured position. What did you make of United in that game? Some good attacking play, you know, I thought it was a... It, it, I wasn't quite sure exactly how a Moyes side would respond in the Champions League. And I mean, I think, you know, this is a learning curve for him and perhaps a learning curve for the players underneath his direction. There aren't really any coaches at the club with any European experience either, though, of course, much of the squad is experienced. Uh, And in the end, I thought it was a strong performance, too good for a good Leverkusen side, you know, bit bit scrappy, I think, defensively at, at times, but no, pretty good. Yeah, um, I mean, the most noteworthy thing this game's a week and a half ago, the thing that stands out to me more than anything about that game was the performance of Antonio Valencia. Easily his best performance uh, in red for, what, 18 months, probably? He looked properly, properly back to himself, just getting a ball, knocking it past defenders and then running. And he even got himself on the score sheet. Yes, although it might be the exception that proves the rule, given his performances after that. We'll we'll come on to that in a bit. But um, yeah, very, very good. That's what we want, isn't it? Confident Tony Valencia taking on the fullback, putting in crosses. I mean, the the one thing that Moyes talks about a lot, I mean, he really does, is putting in in crosses. It's a... Yeah, it does have quite an old-fashioned view of the world there. It's get to the byline, putting a cross. Yeah, Ashley Young, I believe, has attempted 33 crosses so far this season, and one of them has found its target. Uh, Yes, uh, he's attempted 475 passes, and one of them has found its target now. I made that one up. Uh, did he play against Leverkusen? I can't even remember. Oh, no, no, he didn't. That's that's right. Shinji started that game, and beautiful that was to see. Moyes, Moyes before the Liverpool game, saying, they. everyone tells me he's a really good player. Like, what? Then, after the Liverpool game, he says about Chicharito, they tell me that's what he does. What? I know, it's like he's never seen a video of any United games, or, or any Borussia games. Yeah, um, very odd there because he's kind of known as a man who who's uh, you know a a hard student of the game, studies his opponents and, and all of that. Obviously, just his opponents, not his players. Yeah, absolutely, very very strange. But I think we'll come on to Moises' PR a bit later on in the show. I, I think of all the things that he's not getting quite right, uh, that's the one that's kind of most glaringly obvious at the moment. But Leverkusen uh, against Leverkusen, he clearly got a lot right, although. 
Uh, you mentioned scrappy defending, and you could actually see the seeds of the performance that was to come defensively in that Leverkusen game. And I think the fact that Rio and Vidic played all that those many games together in a row, it was kind of picked up on before the Man City game. Uh, the commentator saying this is the first time for four and a half years that Rio had played six games in a row for United. And uh, given his performance, maybe that was not just an accident. <laughs> I know we have we had problems with Fergie's excessive rotation at times, but the way he handled Rio and Vidic to keep them both playing uh, at a good level is something that Moyes is clearly going to have to learn because there's a real problem there, isn't there? Well, there is, and I think it's an extension of what we just talked about, actually. Uh, he has played players uh, in those first few games of the season because he thought it was a tough start to the season. So he played the players he knew and understood and trusted and he wasn't prepared to give an opportunity to the players he didn't know and didn't understand and didn't trust so um that's why he's kept the side together but the fatigue showed started showing in that Leverkusen game and really showed in the Manchester City game and, and remember there's three players well into their 30s uh, in the back four there Everett who's played you know 950 games a season for the last five years Rio's had a lot of injuries Vidic has had three serious knee injuries and now he's having back problems as well. Um, and and that's, that is, is going to play its part unless you give players the rest that they need to. And, and Moyes hasn't done that for the first few weeks of the season for the reason I stated. And, and he did eventually pay the price for that. And, and I guess now that tough start's out of the way, toughest start for 20 years, Moyes called it. Um, and, and there's a winnable set of games in October. Uh, I think he'll use the squad a bit fuller now. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like we're brushing past the Leverkusen game a bit because it was a while ago, so it's less contemporary, but it was good and there was a lot of positives in there. Um, so a lot to be optimistic about going into the derby. Optimism which came crashing round our ears as one of the single worst United performances of the last, what, decade? And there's been some, there's been some shockers here and there, but it was lacklustre. It was completely obvious that it was coming. It was avoidable, uh, and it was humiliation for United. Well, it certainly was. The funny thing is, you know, you can you can dismiss statistics, and here's one of the reasons why you can dismiss statistics. Although, you know, quite often I, I like to quote them. United had more possession in that game, and in fact, almost created as many chances as Manchester City in that game. Obviously, there weren't many on target, and certainly not as many in the net. But um, I think a lot of that is down to the last sort of 15 minutes where United actually managed to have the ball quite a bit because City just stepped off it, didn't care anymore. They'd won the game so easily. But the reality of what happened was one of the most lackluster performances uh, I've seen from United in a very long time. I think morally a lot more damaging than the 6-1. I mean, the 6-1 was 3-1 with about five minutes to go and United um, went all gung-ho and tried to win it with 10 men. Uh, this was very, very different. This was a proper battering. And, uh, you know, City were just better in every department. They were faster to the tackle, which Moyes noted. They were uh, superior in terms of both their range and uh, accuracy of their passing and movement. Uh, there was very little movement off the ball from United. Um, in defensively horrible from United. I mean, wingers out of position, not tracking back. Fellaini uh, had runners go past him twice for two Manchester City goals. and. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about how I don't think he's actually a natural defender. And, uh, you know, and, and Michael Carrick exposed and, and very tepid, I uh, have to say. Um, really, very, very few people, probably only Wayne Rooney aside, could take any credit from that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the collective wisdom, isn't it? That Rooney's the only player that looked like he wanted to be wearing a red shirt that day. It's <laughs> remarkable, remarkable irony. And I, I think there were a few key mistakes. Um, and looking at it from the outside in, they're profoundly avoidable mistakes. I mean, trying to play a midfield two against City, again, it's just been disastrous time after time after time, right? The one time it wasn't was the game at the Etihad last season. And that was kind of an unusual game. I can't remember what happened, but I seem to remember that the midfield was not that straightforward. And actually, even in that game, United got two goals on the break early on um, and then were absolutely under the cosh from City in the second half, right? It, it was kind of it was kind of a similar situation. In fact, they just hardly had the ball at all, but they just looked completely at it. They were kind of ferociously defending in that game. Uh, and there was so much like pride at stake, and that, that last minute RVP winner was was staggering. And it was what it was the performance of last season, wasn't it? In a lot of ways, trying to play the midfield two of Carrick and Fellaini against Yaya, which just this just it just laughs, doesn't he? He just looks at this and thinks, "I, the great Yaya Toure, will conquer all before me and rampage freely into their box as often as I like, unattended by players of the opposite team." Uh, their strikers had the absolute run of Rio and Vidic, who looked shattered. I mean, Rio, I, I, there are not many United fans that that rate Rio higher than me. I think he's one of the great defenders of all time. I absolutely love the way he plays the game. I don't even dislike his Twitter account. That's how much I like Rio. But he had a shocker, right? I mean, real, proper, old-school, nostalgic, terrible Rio. Yeah, very, very poor from all of the back five. I mean, I have to say, David De Gea, we've defended defended him uh, many, many, many times on this show. Didn't think he had a very good game either. Didn't look very confident. Uh, I, I guess a lot of that has to do with the fact that the back four in front of him had a particularly poor game too. Rio and Vidic, not good. Uh, and the wingers, as I said, didn't help with the fullbacks out. So the fullbacks were under a lot of pressure. Uh, and then Yaya Toure, uh, I remember when Fellaini was uh, acquired for the not uh, insubstantial sum of £27.5 million. A few people told me that he'll be United's Toure. Can we put that one to bed now? And uh, he'll be United's Toure's bootlacer. Uh, you know, not even in the same league, I'm afraid. And uh, he looked out totally out of his depth, which, which is a real shame because, you know, believe me, although I've been critical, I desperately want this guy to do well. And... Uh, you know, the first first very high quality game he had for United, and and he was overrun, and not all his fault. And, and as you point out, there were some tactical errors there. I was actually surprised. Actually, I think um, I thought Moyes might opt pack the midfield and and go a little bit more conservative there. But you know, it's almost as if United didn't even have a chance, even if that was the game plan. City were on top from about thirty seconds into the game, weren't they? And, and Yaya was rampant. Um, United's players just just weren't there, and and some of them were just utterly abysmal. And you know, Ashley Young, who we just mentioned, eventually hauled off after about fifty minutes, but he had one of the worst performances a United player has ever put in, in living memory and in non living memory too. I mean, it was nearly as bad as Nani at Everton last season. That's that's how bad it was. Um, the the worst moment in that game, the the lowest I felt at any point during that game, was the 3-0 substitution where he brings on Cleverly and sticks Fellaini up front with Rooney in what can only be described as a desperately, inevitably sad move. Because, I mean, <laughs> this is Man United. We're not stoked. You don't just 
bring on the big man and knock it long to him. You know, that's this is what we were talking about. I was when we signed for Laney and I was very hopeful that this wouldn't happen. But to see that come to pass with 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 Kagawa on the bench and I I, I accept p- picking Rooney uh, to play at 10 week in, week out, given that Moyes is trying desperately to repair his relationship with Rooney and repair the, repair the club's relationship with Rooney. But but to play Fellaini at 10 ahead of Kagawa is just, it's like, I don't know, it's an affront to all the decent sensibilities of football, isn't it? It's craziness. That's what it is. That's a craziness. But uh, I'm afraid inevitable. Look, I... I... I, I really don't want to sound doom and gloom about it because I'm not, and and I do think Moyes has plenty of time, and you know I, I'm uh, I'm I I think if you hate Moyes, fair enough. If you hated him before, fair enough. Whatever. I think the rest of us, you kind of accept. You give the guy two years to to you know make any real judgments. But what you can do is look at ten years of his performances in the Premier League and say. I think I know how his teams are going to play, and I think I know the type of football he likes to play and the things that are important to him, right? And and getting the ball from back to front and, and having a player running from a midfield, but a, a midfield player um, who is likely or not good on in the air um, is, is the way he likes to play. And he does like to get his wide players, you know, putting crosses in or more, more accurately, his fullbacks putting crosses in and then he... You know, he's happy for the wide players to cut in if he, if he uses those type of players. But, you know, you can pick patterns out and some of it is inevitable. And I'm afraid him playing Fellaini up front was inevitable because when he bought the guy, he said, oh, he can play in lots of positions, you know. And, and, it, and, and he didn't have a good game in central midfield. And, and, you know, the irony of all this criticism is, is, of course, United looked a little better when Cleverly came on because at least they had another body in midfield. Uh, and, uh, and at that point, City had stopped trying as well, which definitely helped. Oh, for sure. Look, if if they'd still been on it in the same way, um, we'd you know we'd be in in have been in real trouble. And I think that's actually what Moyes is thinking. He's thinking, look, you know, damage limitation here. Uh, I don't want to get spanked six or seven. Uh, but frankly, you know, that was not United, was it? You know, it's it's not the United way to so meekly lose and then go well our opponents are so superior that uh, i don't want to get embarrassed by this you know christ almighty this is not a a you know lower league club playing in the fa cup against the big team this is united the league champions by 11 points doing that um so you know it, it was uh, it's pretty embarrassing I have to say and, and a pretty low point and and then the fact that you know here's a game that's already lost uh, you might as well go and learn a little bit about the players you don't know. And, and uh, Kagawa, um, you know, sat there on the bench, not playing. In fact, has only really played in games that are clearly secondary. Uh, and, you know, if at all. Uh, and instead, the big man goes out front and, you know, and, and what happens? United, you know, look for him all the time. And there you go. I, I think this is, this is, as I said, a pattern that you could have predicted. And, and there it happened. And all this, I, I, I think before anyone thinks that we're crazy Moyes out people, neither of us are crazy Moyes out people. This is, he's the manager and this is what give him time looks like. You give him time when he's bad and when he's good and all we're doing is providing an analysis of what happened and why to the best of our ability. None hey, of this... look, you don't have to justify an opinion, right? No, well, no, exactly. But it's just like there's been so much kind of 
um, there's been so much negativity around Moyes and then the kind of people who are frustrated with the negativity around Moyes, which I get both sides of those things. And whether or not he's a good appointment is not going to be felt in the next six months, this season, maybe next season. You know what I mean? He's like, if he's got the tools to be a great Manchester United manager that Fergie believes he's got, this is not something that's going to happen quickly, right? It, it it just isn't, and and it's and this is the 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 frustrations of having Moyes as the manager are all these types of things. These are his tendencies as things stand at the moment. Well, of course, Fergie signed Bebe, Mal Donaghy, Ralph Milne, Cleberson, Jemba Jemba, Poborski. I mean, you know, let, let, let's uh, let's not pretend his judgment is always spot on. No, absolutely. And but I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with saying, give the guy time. Uh, I don't believe that uh, he should be getting his P45 just because United lost at City uh, or at Liverpool or, or generally started the season a little bit slow. Um, although there is a nice stat. Uh, most wins by United manager since 1949. New, new United manager since 1949. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course, of course like 50 of those. <laughs> 70 years were two guys, but hey, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but look, I, certainly not Moyes out. Um, I think we can make a judgment at the end of this season, a judgment of sorts. Uh, I, I certainly don't think he should be sacked at the end of this season unless United end up in mid-table or something. It's obvious the players don't want to play for him. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but if it did happen, then, you know, you want to get rid of the poison, right? And uh, and so, look, everything else is, is just, you know, an observation of what happens. And United were desperately poor against Manchester City. The players didn't look like they were up for it. You know, they didn't look like they were you know, r- prepared rightly. Uh, the, the selection wasn't right because quite clearly some of them were knackered. Uh, the tactics weren't right. So it was a bad, bad day at the office for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Apart from... The great and powerful Rooney, uh, who had an excellent game and scored an absolute belter. What a free kick. Not, I don't know if it was as good as Darren Fletcher's goal in the 6-1, while we're comparing, but one of the great meaningless goals of all time, that. Yeah, well, he's got a, got a few set pieces at the moment. He's, he's, uh, maybe he's been practising over the summer while he's waiting for that Chelsea contract to yeah, absolutely. turn up. He's been working with Frank Lampard on free kicks all summer, hasn't he? Um but, but look, look, look let's, uh, that's a good segue into just talking about Rooney for a second because uh, we spent a lot of the summer talking about Rooney for very obvious reasons, of course. Uh, and you've got to say that um, Moise's obsequiousness aside, he's, he's done a job at getting Rooney motivated, right? Absolutely, not this aside is... that the obsequiousness is working. Yeah, well, you know, I guess, I guess you know, that's what Rooney needs. He needs his ego massage and God knows what else is happening because, you know, it's... Uh, it ain't half making me feel queasy, but there you go. He's got him motivated, got him playing. Um, I think you know. I think some of the performances have been overplayed in terms of you know their their real impact. But you cannot say that Rooney has looked this motivated in at least eighteen months. You know, he's he's working hard, um, and I think the performances are getting better. And uh, you know that is very good for United. Aside from the fact that you know he's a duplicitous little. F- and he's tried to leave United twice for major rivals, he's playing well. The thing about old Waza is you're right about the performances improving. It's got to the point where he looks brilliant. And 
really devastatingly important to United. And I'm kind of like sort of sad about that, but, you know, obviously delighted in a way as well, because he he's just made us look way more dangerous because he's really on it. And he, I mean, he was good against Leverkusen. Uh, he was phenomenal against Liverpool. Um, it, it just, he just, it was de- deadly against Leverkusen. So he, he's, I mean, he, he even played well against City and nobody else did. Um, and the, apart from bringing Cleverly on at 3-0 down, the other worst moment of the week for me was uh, the announcement of the starting lineup in the Capital One Cup where the profoundly depressing news that Wayne Rooney was going to be captain in the boys, captain leader legend, that kind of sheer dedication to the club has definitely earned him that armband, doesn't it? Well, there there was a while back where I think in about 2009 or so, I I, uh, wrote a blog post saying that Wayne Rooney could well be United next. And, um, there really wouldn't be too many people I would put behind Wayne Rooney for the job as United captain right now. I mean, you know, it's a status symbol as well as, you know, being something on the pitch. I mean, in reality, there are many, many captains on the pitch because, you know, when you're at that kind of level of elite player, you ought to be a leader of some kind. And, and you know, much of, much of what being a captain is about is overplayed in the press, of course, right? And by fans too, I think. Um, but it's a status symbol, and for that reason, Rooney should not be captain. You know, sorry, this is a guy who all summer wanted to leave the club. You know, quite possibly, uh, given the opportunity, he'd seek to leave the club too. Remember that he's not been offered a new contract and uh, certainly hasn't asked for one just yet, I don't think. So, bizarre, bizarre choice, but all part of this uh, campaign of obsequiousness uh, by Moyes to, to, you know, butter Rooney up and get him playing well. Yeah, and I mean that there's Rooney is clearly a player that he he's not said about Rooney at any point. Other people tell me he's good. You know, he's obviously known Rooney since he was tiny little mini Rooney, um, and he's you know they they fell out majorly, but obviously they've made up because they've got a functional working relationship in a way that Rooney clearly didn't have with Ferguson by the end because he just was awful last season and Fergie wasn't getting anything out of him at all um, because Rooney had just given up on Fergie, obviously. And, you know, he he obviously has not given up on trying to be a good footballer. And, and I think this, this comes back to the thing that the great, um, the one great bargaining chip that United had in the summer was the fact that it's a World Cup year. So he's going to have to play well. You know, if he wants to be at his best for the World Cup, and it's certainly working. Yes, yeah, uh, so I'm not. I'm not sure about the World Cup thing. Don't know whether it makes a difference. I mean, he's clearly going to be on the plane to Rio if England make it. Yeah, I still an if at this stage, of course. Um, but yes, you know, look, what, whatever the reasons, Moyes has got him uh, playing better and and got him motivated, and he's getting fit, uh, and all of those good. Th- things you know that are are going to help united perform to the the best uh, possible this season so no that's all good um i'm not going to start forgiving rooney for his performances off the pitch but you know maybe if he, he turns out on mutv and gives a heartfelt apology and how terribly wrong he was twice and he'll never do it again until the next time he needs a new contract or is played out of position yeah i mean this is this is the thing about this there's no saying sorry this time because he's he's 
You he didn't say stuff. sorry last time. <laughs> he did. He said I've made the worst mistake of my life. You know, that's... Did he say I'm sorry? Oh, well, you know... He said, oh, what a mistake. That's not sorry. No, but... He know. didn't He didn't regret it. Um, yes, of course, you don't say it's the worst mistake of my life if you're not regretting it. Well, he wasn't remorseful. Of course, uh, saying something is the worst mistake of your life is a, a remorseful, regretful thing to say. You don't say, oh, it was great, that was the worst mistake of my life. No, he could have said it in a completely objective manner. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not having that. The black cap is on. He, no. Take him from this place and hang him until he, <laughs> he be dead. I'll tell you what. He's if he dead in my say, heart, I tell you. If he tries to say sorry this time, we'll be all, you can stuff your sorries in a sack, mister. Um, it's, it's not going to happen though, is it? He, he was asked whether he was happy at the club after one of the games in the last week. And he said, uh, I'm just concentrating on my football. And then he was asked again. And he went, look, I've told you, I'm just concentrating on my football. I'm just like, I'm not happy at the club, but I'm going to play well nonetheless. And the players obviously have not turned their back on him because they run over and celebrate with him and stuff, don't they? There's no, there's no on the field sense of ostracization apart from, of course, the fact that Phil Jones took him out. Yeah. Uh, talking of which, we've had an absolutely brilliant Twitter question from at Joe Stretch saying, what's Phil Jones's best sleeping position? He was great last night on his side with a pillow between his knees to align his hips. Yeah, I reckon that's pretty good. I, th- I reckon Phil Jones might sleep on his front sometimes as well and get his face into the pillow and that's what's get that's why his skin is being slowly stretched on his face so he's got too much skin for his face but he slept sound after lacing Rooney's face <laughs> he did um he had a good game uh, in the Carling Cup after the absolutely awful distressing performance against Manchester City and the, the lackluster limp response from Moyes in the press where he basically said i mean he said some wacky things over the course of this week, he said something along the lines of, I think a lot of people think United won the league last season because everyone else wasn't good enough. And it's like, wow, really? I mean, yeah, of course, that's part of why United won the league last season. But they also won it because they signed the best player in the league and he scored hatfuls of goals. And also, you can't then, you can't say that having said after the Liverpool game, oh, I can see why this team were champions. You know, he really, it was really poor PR, I thought, in the aftermath. Yeah, sometimes he should learn to just shut his mouth. I mean, mainly when he's asked about Gareth Bale, but, you know, there's other times too. So, <laughs> odd, I thought, that uh, that whole conversation uh, about United. So, you know, I think what he's trying to do is justify why it's been difficult for United this season. Others have strengthened. And from an objective point of view, and I think I've basically said this, it wasn't a great league last season. Uh, that's part of the reason why United won the league by 11 points. Of course, you know, part of it is that uh, the team just kept on going and Robin kept scoring. Um, but, but you know, City were in disarray because none of the players wanted to play for their manager and Chelsea disarray because the owner keeps sacking managers um, and hasn't invested in quite the right way. Uh, so that's only part of it. But Moyes should not say that because he's the Manchester United manager and you don't say, actually, this team's a bit and uh, and, you know, we had a great manager. This is the... We had a great manager who managed to drag them to the title, and now we give, we've got a bit of a one who's not able to do that anymore. Yeah, not sure that was your message you wanted there, Moisey. Um, no, and that really is uh, that is really problematic, and and least of all, he should be not be saying that because he has said exactly the opposite two weeks earlier. He also said after that game, "I'm quite happy with my squad. Uh, it's just maybe the player that can go into the first team that's missing." And two players, if you he look, did he? Right, one or two players, there you go. And if you look back in 
the transfer window that was not at all, at all, at all the PR rhetoric. So uh, one way or another, he strayed from the script pretty badly after the, the Man City game. And he kind of gave a press conference he wasn't planning to give and said, I'm doing this because, you know, I've got to take the punches. And it's like, OK, well, if you've got to take the punches, then don't say your players are not good enough. Um, that's not you taking the punches. That's you deflecting the punches onto your playing staff, which you should not be doing. And this is all learning stuff from Moyes. He will get better, I'm sure, at the PR game. But I think, honestly, if you give him a marks out of 10 for PR, it'd be down in the three or the fours at the moment. I, I'm, I've, I think it's been genuinely quite woeful. Well, he won a lot of fans by being very humble at the start. And, and that was a good thing to do, you know. Although, you know, in retrospect, some of it's not helped. So uh, this whole chosen one bollocks is, is just that, isn't it? Uh, but that's all because of the, the, uh, the interview in which he confirmed that Fergie just turned up at his house and appointed, you know, which, which uh, gives him the impression of being a little schoolboy compared to the master that came before him. And I don't think that was very good. And then, um, you know, a lot of the stuff around the transfer market didn't sort of help him or support him. And uh, in the last few days, it's helped him either. Um, response to Manchester City I think that's where he needed to be humble uh, you know and to, uh, just the cliches about oh we need a reaction now oh, yeah please you know um, it's uh, yeah they should be trying hard anyway so it's not that they should be playing well very different thing I always think of you whenever a manager says they want a reaction because I'm like I, I think that's actually quite a reasonable thing to say but I know you you never like that you're like nope don't want a reaction, want you to play well in the first place, you know. But but you do need to then respond positively when you when you do lose. So what are you supposed to do? Yeah, but it's such an empty, empty statement. Um, you know, I, I don't really want a reaction. Uh, we can't really be asked. <laughs> yeah. But we might give it a go. Yeah, maybe not. We'll, we'll try reasonably hard. Not that hard. Um, so then, then very interesting after that, because he got a reaction. And he picked a lineup for the League Cup game against Liverpool, which was a very, very interesting lineup. I mean, in some ways, the single biggest mistake that Moyes has made in terms of his team selections, apart from Ashley Young, is the lack of rotation at the back. And I, I really think that that's a, that's a key learning point for Moyes. And I really, really hope that the performance of Evans and Smalling um, has given him food for thought, especially if you've got Phil Jones as well. They're all three of them fit now. So you've got, technically, you've got all five centre-backs fit. And Raphael's fit to play at right-back, so you can't cop out and play Smalling and Jones there. And he's really going to have to, although he did cop out and play Jones in midfield, you're really going to have to work out what you're going to do about that centre-back thing. And I think he's, his current tendency is to think, oh yeah, Rio and Vidic, one of the great all-time partnerships. Let's keep them together as long as possible because you look at Everton, it was, you know, central defensive partnership were very solid and stable and they were some of the foundation of what success they did have. Yeah, it's a big decision for him, really big decision, because I think it's it's something I've talked about a lot. I think it affects how United play significantly. And and much as Rio and Vidic are absolutely brilliant in their own right, and actually as a pair have done very, very well defensively up until recently. And, uh, you know, so there's lots of reasons to say you should keep them. But it makes United play deep because they have to play deep because neither of them have got the pace of old. Uh, and, you know, it, they can't make up for the mistakes by you know, playing in the same way they did once did. And of course, Patrice Ever is 
liable to be attacking up the field, so he's quite often out of position. Um, Raphael has been at fault like that too, not quite as often, I'd say. Um, so you've got a you know a mix there, which is almost the perfect storm of defensive mistakes uh, that could happen, right? Uh, and um, and and sometimes when that's happening, it doesn't do David Hayer any good either. So uh, I think he does have a, a choice to make. Who does he go to? Because the next in line, I guess, is Evans, uh, who had a very good game against Liverpool. Uh, did make one rather bad mistake, which uh, Luis Suarez didn't profit from, and Suarez tried to control it past him, and you know, touch was a bit heavy. David De Gea managed to close him down quite quickly, and and Evans does do that a little bit, you know. And I think the the natural player to come into this might be Chris Smalling, but of course he hasn't got anywhere near the same experience as Evans, so uh, it's, that'd be a big call to make. And and then what do you do with Phil Jones? He's got bags and bags and bags of talent and just needs to be fit enough to apply it. I mean, I think this is my inference from a lot of the conversations we've had on the show about Evans is that I think I slightly rate him a bit higher than you do. Not that I'm saying you don't rate Evans because I, I know you do, but I think there's a very solid argument that the centre-back pairing should be Evans and someone else, you know, one of Rio or Vidic. Um, and that actually... Evans has got the kind of ability and the maturity now to really step up. He's very, very narrowly shy of being in the absolute top level of central defenders, Johnny Evans. That's, you know, that's how I feel about him. And and I could definitely be wrong, but, but I just, I think he's been consistently pretty excellent. And I think the fact that he's come back after such a long time out and just made kind of one, one error is a pretty, pretty serious error, but he also did a lot right. Was actually given man of the match. on scope, maybe a little high praise. Um, but that game anyway, it was really interesting because what happened was basically Moyes picked an 11, which was quite a lot of the players that he has not yet trusted, you know? Um, so you had Bootner at left back, so obviously wacky comedy selection to give Ever a rest because it's the, it's the Carling Cup or whatever it's called, the to one cup. And you've got two central defenders that haven't played in central defence in a committed, competitive fixture for Moyes. You've got Raphael coming back at right back, so that, that's fine. Uh, in the centre of midfield, uh, Jones and Ryan Giggs, the dream team. <laughs> what did you think when you saw that the two of them were going to play together in a midfield too, Ed? Well, I just expected the Liverpool to have the ball all day, basically. Yeah. Um, which which happened quite a lot, actually, in the game. And uh, yes, it, it reminded me of Park and Raphael against Blackburn a couple of years ago, which was a very, very low moment. It was, I have to say... The actual result was nowhere near... I don't mean the results in the 1-0 win. I mean, the performance that resulted from the selection was much better than I thought it was going to be. I thought we were really, really going to struggle with ball retention and it was nowhere near as bad as I feared, actually. Um, and, and the ball did get forward to our uh, attacking four of Kagwa, Rooney, uh, Chicharito and Nani. Um, which again, Nani, Chicharito and Kagawa are all players that Moyes has not yet trusted. Um, and Chicharito scored an absolutely vintage Chicharito goal, didn't he? Very, very smart finish, yeah. Um, managed to get away from his marker and, and side foot it in, angling his body to, to score. Yeah, and then, and, and, you know, good set piece, I suppose. But from United's perspective, pretty terrible from Liverpool's perspective in terms of the defending. Yeah. And, and, you know, apart from that, United defended pretty resiliently because there were long periods during that game when Liverpool were on top, you know, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't gloss over that. And they, uh, they pretty much played their strongest side and, and they gave United a pretty tough time. And, and United's side wasn't packed full of kids, right? So 
This was a team that was, you know, basically all international players. Has Butner ever had a cap? I'm not sure. Not sure about that one. Anyway, he, he certainly shouldn't have done. But yeah, <laughs> you never know with these these funny countries, you know, these little ones over there, whatever he's called, and um, yeah, Holland. <laughs> You know, twice World Cup finalists, <laughs> yeah, European champions, yeah. all that, you know. Yeah, yeah, little club. I haven't done much in football. No. And so, it, you know, it was a pretty strong side, right? So he didn't play a bunch of 17-year-olds from the, the academy or anything like that, but he did make a lot of changes. Eight changes was a lot. And, you know, in 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 that respect, I thought it was pretty ballsy lineup from Moyes because he took a gamble, right? And and after City gave United you know, such a hiding, it would have been tempting for him, I think, to try and pick the strongest side in his mind and to go with what he knew and trusted and to think well look, the pressure is going to be on me if we lose here to another major rival you know he might be thinking although he won't be under pressure from the club he, he doesn't really want the press and perhaps the fans or at least part of the fan base to 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 start getting at him but you know he said no so effectively effectively what he was saying is that with that lineup was that he was prepared to lose uh, because there are greater priorities, which, of course, is the way that Ferguson's pretty much always treated that tournament, too. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just interesting that the performance that he ended up getting out of United was one of the better performances so far this season. You know, I mean, I'm not saying we... But that, that Liverpool side, they've got some decent players, and that was their absolute full strength, no messing about side, right? They, there was nobody rested from that game uh, by them. Um, and, and they do have some decent players, and, you know, so that they're not... a they're not a bunch of clodoppers that you can play your second team against and breeze past them, right? Um, so, so actually, the, the fact that the kind of somewhat makeshift United side, not that I'm saying it's a bunch of kids or anything, but it is the players that he hasn't picked and a lot of the players that the fans have been crying out to see. I mean, Kagawa had a very mixed game. Um, I think anyone that's using that as evidence that somehow he's not good enough is crazy in the eyes. You know, they're just they they are bad at looking at football. That's that's the conclusion that I've drawn because he's just clearly absolutely mint, and he needs games, and he ideally needs games. If he's not going to be in his own position, which he's not, then the system needs to be designed that he doesn't have to do loads of tracking back and stuff like that. But the moment in the second half where he kind of almost lost the ball, but then span inside the defender and burst forward and rattled one off the crossbar was uh, was quite special and he did a couple of beautiful touches um around the box as well he just looks like he's about to make something happen all the time well yeah he does and and the thing is although he played off the left he played very very central didn't he, he came inside all the time and a lot of the time he came came into the sort of number 10 position and that caused united a few problems because they weren't disciplined as tactically as they should be and there was a big gaping hole on the left-hand side. And of course, Booner is apt to fill it, and he did. Uh, and that left United somewhat exposed in defensive areas. And I, I think this is a bit of a problem for United. I mean, sure, it's not tactically disciplined from Kagawa, and you can certainly blame him for that. He's given a job and he's not doing it. Um, and But I think that actually Moyes will see that too and, and probably not be very happy about that. Uh, and, you know, that's not going to do Kagawa any favours because... Let's face it, unless Rooney is rested, uh, which isn't going to happen very often, uh, or injured, which might happen, um, or gets his transfer in the January transfer window, Kagao's not going to play very often in the centre of the park. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And that's a real shame. And we wait with bated breath to see what happens to Kagao's United career. Another player who we're waiting with bated breath to see what happens to his United career is the young man who looks like you could blow him down with a feather, but it is physically 
biologically and mathematically impossible to knock the lad off the ball. Uh, Adnan Yanazai uh, came on again and uh, looked tricky, impressive, and as I say, just impossible to knock off the ball. There's one minute, one bit where the Liverpool uh, defender starts chipping off to young Adnan and Adnan just sort of walks away giving him the old, what, what, what? It was good. I liked it. He's got style and substance, that young man. Yes, he gave Glenn Johnson some lip, didn't he? You know, good on him, I'd say. Uh, so uh, he didn't have a, a brilliant, brilliant you know, game or anything like that when he, when he came on, but uh, certainly the, the, the massive amount of balance he's got came out again, didn't it? You know, he's, he's small, he's slight, he's not very strong, uh, but he doesn't get the ball taken off him very often. And uh, it's, Ever. It's not possible. Yeah. It can't be done. He's got very, very close control, you know, and he, he's, yeah. uh, that balance is wonderful too, you know. Um, I think everyone can see he's going to be a top player. Just, just need to get him signed up and need to get him the right kind of you know, number of games to help him progress. He said um, just before the game, actually in, uh, in the programme, um, that he just wants to you know, get as many games as possible and progress. But he keeps saying it every time he has an interview. He says, I want some games. So yeah. you know, we, should, we should remember this one. He wants some games. There's a certain player at Juve right now who's a world superstar and, and he's going to be a massive factor in the World Cup next year. And, and he wanted some games. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a massive factor in the World Cup next year, to be honest, because he plays for France, right? And I'm not sure they're going to be a massive factor in the World Cup. Sadly, Bleu. Well, he might go on strike or something. <laughs> yeah, he might. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we don't want him to Pogba, do we? That's We do not want the, the, the Pogba to happen to uh, to Adnan. That would be incredibly negligent. And actually, I don't think that's happening. I think the fact that he's he's on the fringes of the first team at 17, um, there's not many United players that that's happened to, is there, uh, in recent years? No. Um, so... I think I think they're taking him very very seriously, aren't they? Uh, talking of which, actually, Ravel scored twice as well since we last uh, we last did a podcast. Fantastic to see him doing well at West Ham. Just, I mean, that's a player who we didn't lose through our own negligence, um, but but clearly just needed to get out of Manchester and and just uh, fantastic to see how well he's doing. Yeah, he's he's become a major part of their team, you know, and uh, somehow the penny seems to have dropped. Don't know whether Big Sam's yeah, done absolutely. it, but uh, something something has happened. You know, the loan spell at Birmingham helped, I think, as well. He, he um, you know, Lee Clark is a manager with his head on his shoulders. Uh, I wonder whether that helped too. And uh, and I guess Sammy's very practical too. You know, he's an experienced manager and and he knows what he wants. And and uh, if Ravel has has finally worked it out, his talent will show. And his talent is a is a very very big talent. You know, and it's coming late for him, I suppose now. But but there you go. He's uh, he he's, could still could still find his way into the England side if he continues in these kinds of performances. It's very very early to say that. Yeah, sp- spectacular amount of talent. Um, anyway, and at some point, sorry, at some point he's going to probably end up somewhere at a big club as well. You know, potentially if he keeps his head together. So maybe, maybe be really interesting. Anyway, so that was three games, and uh, yeah. all with some contrasting emotions. There, a little break from the football. We we have a competition for you. You can win one of two hats we're giving away from Rosso Bianconero, 1878, com. who do these fantastic limited edition scarves and hats and T-shirts and badges and artwork and other stuff. And they really are limited edition because uh, once they're gone, they're gone. And I know this because I've tried to buy one several times and just missed out. 
And you can win one by, Paul? Well, um, this is, of course, in tribute to the great at footballer hats. Um, what footballer would you like to see in what hat and why? In fact, let's, let's make it what Manchester United player, past or present, would you like to see in what hat and why? Uh, best answer to uh, use the hashtag Rantcast on Twitter. You don't have to at either me or Ed, just use that hashtag um, and then, then I can find it easily. Um, then, uh, yeah, best two entries will win a lovely hat of your own and then you can be the footballer with the hat and pose for pictures and stuff. Very good. Yeah, yeah your head will be all warm in the winter months, won't that be nice? Uh, your head will be warm on the terraces, and I think it would be remiss of us not to mention the terraces briefly. Uh, many times we um, have mentioned that the atmosphere at Manchester United home games can be a little on the flat side. Absolutely spectacular, spectacular scenes of atmosphere. Uh, the whole ground getting properly involved in a third round League Cup game and I know it was against Liverpool but still that was really 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 special and vociferous support from the man for the manager which I think is absolutely appropriate and if I you know having sort of said all this kind of fairly critical analysis stuff if I was actually at the games I'd be singing my head off in praise of the manager because that's what you do right that's the, the that's what it's helpful to do that in those circumstances um and just you just incredible noise all around the ground so Wonderful. And no doubt some of those people had their heads warmed by a Rosso Bianco Nero hat. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, Great support. And uh, I mean, part of it is the fact that United got spanked at the weekend and there's a reaction to that. And uh, I think United fans have always been good for that. I mean, I was um, at a Chelsea game a few years back where that happened too, uh, after some bad results. And, and, uh, you know, it's frequent, actually. You know, the the Old Trafford atmosphere is terrible. It was abysmal against Crystal Palace a couple of weeks ago, you know, really dead. Saturday lunchtime, though, doesn't count. Yeah, it does count. It was still abysmal, but uh, under the lights against a major rival and the team with the backs against the wall, it rarely gets better. And that's what happened. And I think it's a kind of reflection, you know, and I know this is a, you know, it's a, it's a slightly odd reflection, I suppose. But I think it's a reflection on the fact that United's reality has changed now and we no longer yeah. have Ferguson in charge and and you know you know the the kind of expectation has changed a little bit and I think fans have reacted to that with a with a great support for the team after the first really serious defeat of the new regime anyway you know maybe I'm just philosophizing a bit too much there but I, no, I, I suspect no, I that's com- it I completely agree I think it's a bit of Actually, I'm sure one of the reasons that am- the atmosphere at Old Trafford's got flatter and flatter and flatter is just the relentless, the relentless amount of success, you know, because really then it does, uh, it does naturally make the support a bit complacent, you know, um, and the, the away support, this is, this is all about home support because away support is obviously just, if, if it's not the best away support in the league, then it's right up there, right, in terms of its range and relentlessness of thing and of course there was 20 minutes of 20 times 20 times Man United as they were getting destroyed for one although or every set of away supporters does that I, I didn't realize that that was the case until I don't think I'd ever properly noticed it until the 8-2 when the Arsenal fans were all singing we love you Arsenal we do for 20 minutes um and then my friend Joe pointed out to me that this is just what away fans always do when they're getting battered and yeah um, but United did it with 20 times, 20 times. So, some some hilarious commenters uh, pointing out that it might be uh, 20 times, 20 times for a, a good few years yet, but let's hope that's not the case. Mm. 
Uh, not all away fans do that. Uh, I have to say, uh, when United lost the title on the last day of the season a few years back and Stoke were at Old Trafford and, and uh, they were getting battered by United the last day of the season, uh, but cheering Chelsea goals. Oh, yeah, but that's the same sort of thing, in it, in a way? Hmm. Anyway, so um, we have a few games coming up as well. Uh, I think we're talking five games in this show, which is rather a lot for us because sometimes we manage to get through a whole hour without talking about any games at all. So, midweek, trip Shakhtar Donetsk, which is in the Ukraine. It's always the Ukraine, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually, strictly speaking, Ukraine, right? Surely. Uh, apparently, this is a really significant political issue, apparently. I discovered this during Euro 2012, the Euro 2012. It was always called the Ukraine when it was a region of the USSR. And actually, the the is considered a bit disparaging. Um, and, the yeah, so... So the respectful term is Ukraine, apparently. Hmm. Well, the Manchester United are off there uh, in midweek and, and it will be a tough game because uh, they've got some decent players, you know, packed full of Brazilians, which has been the, the transfer policy at Shakhtar for quite some time now. Uh, some that you will sort of know. Uh, a few other players. Darius Serna is the captain. You'll remember him. He's played well over 100 times for Croatia, appeared in a, a few European championships and whatnot. Uh, so they've got some decent players and they ought to give United a decent game. I mean, absolutely. Uh, difficult place to go, the Donmar Stadium. Yeah, well, you know, smartened up for Euro 2012. So there'll be a good atmosphere in there, more than 50,000 people. Yeah, and of course, uh, a classic hipster favourite, Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, Luchescu, their manager, has been their manager for a long time. Got very distinctive ideas about the way football should be played. Lots of attacking exciting football i think it's generally quite fun to be a Shakhtar fan um uh and yeah if Borussia Dortmund are like too mainstream for you then apparently Shakhtar Donetsk are the team to be into but uh although I've been accused many times of being a football hipster my lack of knowledge of European football is distinctive proof that I am both uh ill-informed about the Champions League and uh, also not a football hipster so mm. yeah, but but Luchescu, of course, uh, yeah, a, a very beloved uh, beloved manager. Great bit of analysis there, I'd say, Paul. <laughs> yes, exactly. Don't know too much about the lads here. They've got some Brazilians. It's gonna be tough to go to Ukraine because it's a long way away. Well, it will be. It will be. So uh, I mean, an important game for Moyes, of course. At first away trip. How does he treat it? What kind of tactics will he employ? Will he go bold and play you know, two up front? Looks like Robin van Persie. Will definitely be fit for the weekend game. You touch and go for the midweek. Uh, probably not. Um, so does he play Rooney up front with one behind? And who is that one? Is it Fellaini? Is it Welbeck? Is it Kagawa? I mean, a lot of these choices will dictate how United play. Do we approach it to try and dominate the game? Uh, or do we sit on the back foot and go a bit defensive? I and mean, typically, Moyes has been quite a conservative coach over the years. So uh, is this one where the conservative tendencies come out? I'd be very interesting to see. I, I think actually Van Persie will definitely be fit for this game because he'll he'll be he's been declared fit today, Friday as we record this for the West Brom game on which is uh, tomorrow afternoon. So for Van Persie, not no, no injury doubts about whether he's going to be available for the Shakhtar game, and I'm sure he'll play. And I'm sure he'll play four four one one right because he's done nothing but that so far. And I I don't see the I think the only tactical variation would be whether you play wingers or inside forwards, um, you know, Valencia or Nani, Young or Kagawa. Um, I'd like to see Yanazai play, but I suspect away in Shakhtar might be a bridge too far for the lad. Um, and, and how deep Rooney plays, I guess, is the, the other 
factor and that'll depend how much we have the ball. I think it'd be very interesting to see if he plays Rio and Vidic tomorrow against West Brom. That that If he does that, then surely he can't play Rio and Vidic. He must have twigged by now that you can't just play Rio and Vidic every week, assuming they're not injured. You've got to rest them. And really, he should be resting them in one of these two games. Yes, well, I suspect actually um, Moyes will start now rotating his squad in a fairly sensible manner and it won't be five out and six out and he'll, you know he'll change you know three maybe four players every game and he'll just rotate around so um it might be that you know they don't pay the pair in either of the next two games and uh and you know one plays in one and one plays in the other we'll we'll see about that you know i suspect that the more difficult game for united is the away game in Shakhtar, or at least a more difficult game conceptually because uh you know all those things that uh, that we've mentioned. Uh, so um, I wonder whether Vidic might play in that one and Rio will play in the game against West Brom. Just a guess. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a decent guess. Although I really wouldn't be that surprised if the rotation doesn't start in earnest yet. Although we now do enter a much, much more favourable run of fixtures, right? This is the hardest Champions League game left. Um, and so that'll be out of the way. Um and then we've just got, we don't play any of the big boys in the league for a while. And that'll be really nice for Moyes, I think. I think it'd be really good now. Just put a run, it doesn't have to set the world alight. Just rack up, rack up the points. Keep us, keep us in the, the title race nicely until Christmas and make sure he's rotating the squad, not insanely, but enough to stop having to tell us that he's heard that these players are good. Oh, yeah, I've heard this uh, goalkeeper's quite good. He seems all right, you know. Oh, I heard this lad, Robin Van Persie's a decent striker. Oh, they tell me he scored lots of goals last season. You know, less less of that. Aside from the European games, the two really tough games coming up before Christmas are Arsenal at home and Tottenham Hotspur away. So Arsenal at home on the 10th of November and Tottenham Hotspur away on the 1st of December. Aside from that, really, really winnable run of games. So, you know, West Brom and, and Shakhtar, Southampton, Sociedad, Stoke, Norwich, Fulham, Sociedad again, the Arsenal game, Cardiff, Leverkusen and the Tottenham game, right? So there's there's plenty of points that can be picked up in both the Champions League and the Premier League. No excuses now, you know, no real major injuries in the squad. Uh, this is it. Go off and perform, you know, it's uh, and uh, yeah, a different test for Moyes, you know, if if the opening sort of seven or eight games of his reign uh, were a test of some nerve, uh, this is a test of whether he can you know, put a team together to create a winning run. Absolutely. And, and it's a, it, you know, he has had this kind of trial by fire of these really difficult fixtures. Um, and, you know, I think just impartially you're grading his performance so far. And it's, it's, although it's difficult, there's still a par, right? It, what the expectation was. And I think, the results have been below what he would have set himself as par. You know, you wouldn't expect perfection. You wouldn't expect us to win all those difficult games. But I think at least two more points picked up would have been, would have been par. And, and actually we lost to Liverpool with you. Now no, with Chelsea, we've not scored a game from open, a goal from open play in, in English competition since the opening day of the season, you know, very substandard and, but that's okay, you know, nothing's disastrous so far because talk about us winning the league because other teams weren't at it last season. Other teams have had a much easier start of the big sides, had a much easier start and stumbled just as badly as us. You know, it was so, so it's okay. Everything, there's no crisis at United. Um, 
But there will be if they don't put together a run of wins now out of these fixtures. And as you say, a new challenge and a really interesting one. It's going to be really interesting times. And um, I think just before we go, I'd be really interested to hear your predicted lineup uh, for the game against West Brom. All right. Here we go off the top of my head. De Gea, Raphael, Evans, Rio and Evra. Uh, then we will go, because I think uh, he'll play the players he needs to in Shakhtar, we'll go Nani. Carrick, Fellaini, and Kagawa, and Rooney, and I'm not sure he'll feel risk Van Persie, so we'll go Welbeck. It might be Welbeck and Rooney. Okay, I, I would go for that almost that exact lineup, except um, I think that he's going to play Van Persie. Uh, I think I think he's gonna. Yeah, no, because he was talking about maybe playing Van Persie on Wednesday, so I'm sure I'm sure we'll play Van Persie. There you go. Well. Um... You know, either way, there'll be a, a double dose of fixtures for uh, some of those players, the key ones, and and uh, I think he'll rotate a little bit in, in some of these games too. Uh, but a couple of big games coming up, of course, you know, it, it's uh, it's a chance to get back on track, isn't it? And really important that happens. I mean, you know, you can see it all going pear-shaped, a you know, scrappy draw against West Brom, because West Brom do play some good football, and then a loss in Shakhtar, because that could definitely happen. Uh, and you know the, those negative headlines will be happening all over again. A uh, couple of wins, it'll all be very positive, won't it? We'll have forgotten the city defeat already, or ish. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's going to take a while to get completely out of the system. Although the the, the Liverpool game did certainly help. It was a, a, a veritable tonic. Uh, always nice to beat Liverpool, and and uh, nice nice to beat them on the back of that horrible result as well. And you could see how relieved and delighted David Moyes it was in. Stark contrast to, to that picture of him looking absolutely distraught, um, understandably, in, uh, during the 4-1. So, two games uh, to come this week, two predictions to get wrong from us. I'm going for a 2-0 win over West Brom and a one all draw against Shakhtar. Two good predictions. I, I like 2-0, so I'm going to pick 2-0 okay. for United against West Brom. Let's just get that right. Not Not a 5-all, I think. Last time we played the the baggies, and I think it'll be nil-nil in Shakhtar. I think uh, let's go ultra-conservative. Well, I'm really fascinated about the tactics, though, away from home in Europe, because Ferguson got more and more conservative over the years, you know. I guess Zenith was in that sort of uh, period in, in uh, around about the time United actually did very well in Europe, you know, and, and uh, played in such a conservative way away from home, and um, well, the nil-nil at Barcelona—that's that's it, isn't it? That's the one. Yeah, but there were some others. You know, I remember um, United playing Italy against Roma and being criticised for for playing, you know, nine or ten men behind the ball. And <laughs> the other yeah. leg was all right, though, wasn't it? The other leg was all right. Yeah, you know, even Michael <laughs> Carrick managed to score in that one. So, um, so fascinating, I think, and it'll be a really interesting match. I'm looking, I'm lo- really lo- looking forward to that one, and, and of course, the game against West Brom. And uh, we've rattled on for over an hour now, so we should. Let the listeners go. Uh, we will try and get back tra- on track next week with a on a Friday release. We'll yeah, try. Normal, Work normal. commitments and travel commitments permitting because they have been rather crazy recently. They have, and and yeah, normal service will maybe be resumed at some point in the future. But feel feel better now because it's loads of United podcasts now. So you know, if we don't come out, no problem, right? You can just listen to us when we do come out, and then splitters. You, what do you yeah. mean? Do you think they listen to other United podcasts? <laughs> no, surely not. It can't Absolutely be done. Absolutely great. There uh, are some very good United podcasts. Very, very good. Um, huge, huge, huge thanks to uh, Tom for for agreeing to produce the Rankcast from now on. So 
this is exciting exciting times for us we we, we hope this all works out because it means loads less work for us so well i say us loads less work for ed brilliant thanks tom that's really helpful very good yes um and yeah so uh, enter that competition uh, what footballer would you like to see in what hat and why use the hashtag rantcast so i can find the entries and we'll pick the two that make us laugh the most and you will get sent a hat more competitions coming up soon on the podcast as well uh, exciting times i'd like to see eric Cantona in a trilby and a mac looking like humphrey bogart uh, yeah i kind of see that pretty much every time i close my eyes so you know it, it just sort of happens naturally all right <laughs> enough of that we'll be back next week see you then